0: you're listening to
1: football philosophy and rocket science a cleveland browns podcast a show where a philosopher and a rocket scientist try to make sense of the cleveland browns the football philosophy and rocket science podcast is a part of the fanatical elves podcast network a part of the fans first sports network here are your hosts elliot kennel and joel cade
0: hi i'm elliot he's joel and Howdy. this is the fifth of July. We're one day removed from the fourth of July. How did your fourth of July go, Joel? I went pretty good because I still have my hands. Excellent. Okay. Well, maybe that's the problem that they have over in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they don't have, have any hands. Well, they have a quarterback that has small hands, and so it's very <laughs> important that they handle their fireworks with great caution over there. I think. So Not especially um, there, but it's, yeah, it is good to know. Be careful.
1: That's true. It, it is good to know that as far as the as of the news of right now, no Cleveland Browns lost their hands to fireworks. Nobody got arrested.
0: That's very important. We well, I don't know. The, we'll hear
1: about the arrests in a couple of days. But the fireworks stuff, that would happen immediately.
0: Well, okay. Yeah, that's true. But uh, so far, we have not had any really bad off-season news. Um, so Knock on wood. We're appreciative of that. We hope everybody's behaving themselves and doing kind of normal things, not getting injured, um, and uh, staying on the proper side of, of the law. That's very important. Good conduct is very important. We don't want to have off the field injuries. That's really the most important news that we could have is no news. Exactly. Um, so we're we're happy about that. So Fourth of July is great. It's a great country. Still the greatest country in the world despite our problems. And I'm uh, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. um, thrilled to have the opportunity to celebrate with friends and family. So happy 4th of July, everyone, uh, belatedly one day. Ha, huh. okay, well, uh, let's get into some uh, discussion. I have some
1: uh, fan mail that I'd like to read. Fan mail. Yeah, fan mail. By the way, before you get to the fan mail, I would like to say to this to our listeners. Did you know you could get your comment read on the air? Yes, your comment. All you have to do is DM me, or you could DM Elliot. Me at the left guard, or Elliot at. Has hit it, Elliot. What's your What's your Twitter handle?
0: At T H uh, Village Elliot, not the Village Elliot, but T H Village Elliot. And uh, awesome. Yeah, there's other ways to get in touch with me as well.
1: You can uh, email me at. Excuse me, the email address would be the left guard at gmail.com. So hit me up, DM me, email me, let me know. Let's check this out. Let's get your comment on the air. All right, go ahead, Elliot. What do we got fan comment wise today?
0: Yeah, we have some, some things. Um, There was an article I wrote the other day about the lack of depth in the running back room for the Cleveland Browns. It starts out pretty good. They have Nick Chubb, who I think is the best overall running back in the NFL. I'd like to see the Browns use his pass-catching ability a little better. Mm
1: -hmm. We
0: know that he can run with the football, and he gets great yardage. Uh, The Browns have a superior offensive line, and um, what can you say? We have been reluctant to throw at him for whatever reason. I think a lot of it uh, happened in the Baker period. And they're starting to use him more uh, with um, Deshaun Watson. And I think this year we're going to see even more of that because Deshaun Watson is a guy that likes to throw the ball to running backs. So I'm thrilled about that. But what happens when you have to have your number two, your number three, or your number four running back? Well, we actually really don't have one that's proven. We're looking at Jerome Ford, hoping that he's pretty good, but he's only got 12 yards from scrimmage.
1: Let me talk about Jerome Ford for a second. Yeah. People come into the NFL, and I know Jerome Ford is not a rookie, but people come into the NFL as rookies all the time, fifth, sixth, seventh-round draft picks as running backs, and succeed. It happens all the time. So he may not have a lot of carries, not have a lot of experience, But that doesn't mean he's not going to succeed. It just means there's a question mark. Mm -hmm. No, it it
0: does happen all the time, but it does not happen every time. Right. And last season, Kareem Hunt did not have a particularly good season, but the coaches still saw fit to play Kareem Hunt and to not play Jerome Ford. And so, you know, their judgment is that Jerome Ford wasn't better than Hunt. So I don't know, maybe they were wrong. Maybe Jerome Ford is going to be a really good runner. But you like to you know, you like to have the cliche that, oh, you know, my number two running back would be a starter for many teams in the NFL. And we don't really have that situation at the moment. Well, we
1: don't we, change. we just, I would say we just don't know. We're filled with hope. He could be. We just haven't seen it.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, okay. Well, my minister <laughs> says to come to church every Sunday to find hope, and so I'm praying that Jerome Ford will turn out to be an excellent running back. I have hope, but I don't have faith. Well, isn't it
1: isn't isn't hope faith in the things not seen? It's getting there. But, yeah, we can have I faith in Jerome Ford not seen.
0: I have Confidence <laughs> that he will get more than 12 yards this season, but 12 yards doth not a running back room make. Okay. So go to the third one. Go to the third running back. All right, let's, because let's, I, let's read some of the I, I
1: have opinions on third running back.
0: Let's, let's, let's talk about this stuff. All right. So people, of course, criticized this, you know, brilliant article that I wrote. It was just, absolutely incisive in its comments said that look chubb is the number one guy but number 2 3 and 4 haven't been established and even if you have a number 2 running back you still want to have four not just one okay can everybody count to four um and does everybody uh, read the article or the comment on the title okay and sorry, so, okay, John Adams writes, if Watson is close to his old self, Chubb will have even more success. Well, okay. Um, and I, I write back because I'm a smart aleck. John, if you read the article, I'm not worried about Chubb. It's RB2, RB3, and RB4 that I feel need to prove themselves. 41 total career yards in the NFL. Okay, that's the sum total of everybody we've got on the roster not named Nick Chubb. There's 41 career yards uh, on the roster right now. Uh, that seems a little short of world-class to me, just a little bit short. I mean, 41 career yards. Okay. The Browns were sixth in the NFL with Hunt last season. That's with Hunt. Um, I think he had like close to 600 yards on uh, from scrimmage total, um, and uh, the, the rushing uh, component of that amounted to sixth in the NFL, with Hunt being very close to leading the NFL in rushing. Uh, without Hunt, it's not clear why we'd expect a huge improvement. Um, you know, Why does that make us think that we're going to be hugely improved just because Hunt has left the team? I don't quite get that part. And, uh, all right, so then people argue with me. Well, Hunt, I averaged 3.8 yards per carry last year. They can easily replace that. And I point out, okay, Hunt also had 35 pass receptions. Carried the ball at short yardage, fumbled only one time. Does anybody care about fumbles? I do. Fumbling only once is a pretty good stat. Anyway, the uh, Browns have to find someone who can play at a higher level if they want to say they're top five. 3.8 yards per carry does not make for an elite running back room. You have to be better than Kareem Hunt, not just replace Kareem Hunt. <clears throat> Getting a back that gets 3.8 yards per carry does not make you elite. It just makes you, um, well, it makes you sixth in the NFL if if uh, if Nick Chubb stays healthy.
1: Let me, let me throw let me throw a monkey wrench into this, Elliot. Go ahead, throw that monkey wrench. What, in. what if Elijah Moore was the third running back and not anybody else? Okay, Elijah Moore, right? He's lined up in the backfield as a running back. The offense they're going to has a lot of people who has has that gadget player that can line up in the slot, line up in the running back. Heck, we drafted Dimitri Felton, who played this offense at UCLA. Who was that player? That was running back, wide receiver, blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. Elijah Moore is that player. Elijah Moore can be the third running back. He can pick up your receptions out of the backfield. He can run the ball. He ran the ball. He's run. He has run the ball six times in his career, which is not much. Okay, but he's averaging ten yards a carry.
0: Oh, I think the jet sweep is a very important weapon. Um, if they respect the the run, and they can get uh, uh, fooled.
1: Um, right. But you know. Elijah Moore has lined up In the running back position during camp We've heard reports of this mm-hmm. So he could be a yeah. running back Much like Cordell Patterson Was playing that role Um, Oh, guys from Kansas City I can't think of his name He was the current one doing that in Kansas City mm-hmm. Played that role Well, I'm, I'm still, that I'm role. Still, I have hope I have hope And in fact,
0: you know We've had this discussion before I've noted that Elijah Moore uh, is not the uh, mad bomber. He's been throwing the ball a lot with very short passes, you know, running back uh-huh. type passes. Um, if you look at, at what he's actually caught um, most of the time, um, I think that's not a bad concept. Uh, maybe we'll see him in the backfield, and uh, that's not out of the question. And that might be a kind of thing that would help him a lot if he lines up in the backfield. And yeah, he could be running back three easy back to, two. you know,
1: I, I don't know how big he is. He's, how, how much does he weigh? In fact, I, can we Google that? Well, I don't uh, think we're talking so much about having him there as a consistent, like, line him up and give him 20 carries. Not 20 carries. We're, but maybe, yeah, we're talking about maybe a five. carry or two, right? A carry or two, but his job would be to receive out of the backfield. Um, he would also be there to create mismatches. So if he comes starts out at the slot, then comes into the running back spot, then you're creating coverage issues.
0: For okay, he's 5'10", 181 pounds.
1: So yes, yeah, so you're not doing a whole lot of you're not going outside zone with him out of the backfield. You're yeah, you're not going to have him do the one yard plunge thing. Right. That that seems to be something Jerome Ford. Should be able to do Jerome Ford.
0: A- yes, I think you do send him up the middle. Yeah, um, I think Jerome Ford, you do um, believe that he can do everything that Kareem Hunt could do, or you give him that opportunity. And um, we'll find out, we'll find out about Mr. Ford. And we have hope that he will turn out to be a complete NFL running back. There's a Ford, you know four down running back we by four down I mean we give it to him on fourth and one yeah
1: yeah um, five ten two five ten 210 pounds yeah I'm thinking he should be able to with a running start he should be able to run in there and get us a yard yeah yeah absolutely and he's not going to be the mismatch guy and the mismatch guy is going to be Elijah Moore
0: yeah it's it's not crazy and uh Yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how these things pan out. As it's it's different, but it's not crazy. Right. Do you have any more juicy comments? Uh, well, let's see. This person will be anonymous, but uh, he simply answers. I'm very proud of this, but he answers, hey, dude, what uh, or WTF, which I don't know what that stands for, but I assume it means, wow, that's fantastic. So thank you very much for the compliment. I'm just... Absolutely uh, bursting with pride. WTF,
1: Elliot. WTF,
0: yeah. I, I, I think it's just wonderful. That's that fantastic. Appreciate uh, journalism at its best. So, thank you. There's there's some thank
1: believers you. out there, yeah. Uh,
0: that's really just great.
1: Okay, well, let's move on. Um, all right, well, we're coming up on the uh, proverbial commercial break here.
0: Oh, okay, let's do a commercial break and then we'll talk about comparing the Cincinnati Bengals defense to the Browns defense.
1: Yeah, so hit up on the break, and after the break, we're going to come back and check out the Bengals defensive preview along with our continuing series where we've already looked at the Ravens, the Steelers, now we're going to look at the Bengals. So that's after the break, so hang on.
0: Okay, back. I bet we sold lots of products, probably cars and uh, razor blades, hair tonic.
1: See, I was going for the razor blades. Like, I bet we're selling razor blades. Yeah, definitely. Of course, you know, if you listen to this show, they're probably selling antidepressants.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Okay, excellent. Well, um, (laughs) yeah, can we do the uh, share thing? Sure. Here we go. Okay, let's do that. Let me see if I can...
1: We take this uh-huh.
0: down let me see if i can make this um a larger picture
1: and even so elliot is coming up with a powerpoint here like only elliot can looking at the bengal's defense much like we looked at the other defenses okay day?
0: and yeah what are the kiddies doing you know it's very funny Uh, But uh, just like Baltimore, the Bengals have lost a lot of personnel in the defensive backfield. And in fact, the Bengals have lost even more if you look at not only who they lost, but how the free market valued them. Look at the safeties. Jesse Bates, just an absolute hero at safety. 64 million dollars. That's incredible. $31 million guaranteed. You know, really, you have to look at the guaranteed money to see how they're truly valued. Mm -hmm. But he's getting a ton of money. Six, you know, that's $16 million a year. And oddly, uh, Von Bell gets about the same amount of money, almost exactly $64 million. He gets even more guaranteed. So I don't know who gets bragging rights in that. Jesse Bates actually gets a little bit larger contract, but Von Bell gets more guaranteed. So I think I'm going with Von Bell as getting the most value in his deal. It's just really incredible. Um, I had no idea that they would get that much money. I, I think uh, that that's that's just really amazing.
1: I think playing for a winning football team does a lot for you when it comes to that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's true. That's the Joe Burrow bump right there
0: and and they yes, winning uh, helps certainly, but we knew that they were very very good football players for sure
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, they were playing in a very very good <laughs> secondary, and that helps playing with great teammates as well mm-hmm. uh, uh, Trey flowers, not to be confused, there's also a Trey flowers who is a defensive lineman, so if that name seems familiar, this is not the same guy, but nevertheless, there's Trey Flowers, who's a cornerback who got a contract uh, for a minor amount of money, and uh, he's good enough to get playing time. And uh, another cornerback is Eli Apple, who played 94% of the defensive snaps for the Bengals. So Bates, Bell, and Apple were three full-time starters for the Bengals, and they're gone. They are gone, gone, gone. I suppose there's some theoretical possibility that Apple could re-sign with the Bengals, but they probably should sign somebody if they can. Mm -hmm. Uh, So who did they sign to replace these guys well they signed a safety Nick Scott who's a starter but not an impact player he signed for three years 12 million dollars seven million dollars of which is guaranteed so that's kind of a journeyman's salary not a star salary right Uh, similarly Oh, that is a mistake. Excuse me. Yeah, Patrick. I was gonna
1: say I think Patrick Peterson Patrick, is. Uh, that's,
0: that's a mistake. That's what over Steelers. From the Steelers. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, th- let's just take this down. Uh, this is just wrong. Um, let's. What they're doing is replacing the uh, defense uh, through the uh, draft. Mm-hmm. Um, getting younger, cheaper. They're getting. Uh, Younger, cheaper uh, defensive end, Miles Murphy from Clemson. That's good. They're getting uh, D.J. Turner, who's the fastest cornerback in the draft with a 4.26 time. He's not very big. He's small, very, very fast. Safety Jordan Battle uh, from Alabama. I'm not real sure I like this pick. And the reason is because the Bama secondary was really problematic uh, all year long. Um, but nevertheless, he's a third-round pick. Uh, Bama is pretty much hard currency. And then there's a seventh-round guy, DJ Ivy, that I think is actually very intriguing. Uh, I don't know what was wrong with his scouting report, but I do know that he's a 4-4 guy. Uh, that's good. And then his uh, vertical is 39 inches which is getting close to superhuman range this is uh let me ask it, a question yeah can he play football that i don't know uh, but you know this is kind of where you go if you're uh, ready to star in marvel comics as a uh, superhero 39 <laughs> inch <laughs> vertical is pretty pretty amazing
1: Captain America coming out here.
0: Yeah, so I apologize for this mistake over here on the on who the kiddies sign. Um, that, that's just totally a mistake. But the point is they didn't sign very many guys on defense. They invested uh, instead on offense. Okay, so we can stop sharing this and uh, let's see, is it gone? It's gone. Okay. So yeah, anyway. that seems
1: to be the trend here. Uh, you know, between the Ravens and the Bengals, um, you know, investing in offense, those two teams clearly must think they have their quarterback and that their quarterback is going to be driven or driving this team to victories. Well, okay.
0: What they did do is they made a massive investment in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And uh, we cannot blame them because they've had an unusual amount of injuries and two years in a row, they wound up having to play backups uh, at playoff time, and p- particularly for the AFC Championship this year, and, uh, or t- 2022. And then uh, the year previous, they showed up for the Super Bowl, and they had uh, backups, and that really cost them the Super Bowl probably. So um, that was just bad. And they had good players, but they had multiple injuries on the offensive line. And so what do they do? They signed Orlando Brown Jr. uh, to be a starting left tackle. And remember, when he left Baltimore, he was fixated on being a left tackle, not a right tackle. He had to be the left tackle. And otherwise, he was going to be uh, nutsoidal uh, about that. And he also—that's because also, he
1: wanted paid. Left tackles get paid much better well, than right. tackles. Okay,
0: but you know what? If they paid him the same amount of money and said, "We'll we'll pay you the contract. Just be the right tackle for us because we think you're really good there." But no, I have to be the left tackle. You um, you know, you know it's just crazy. Um, He's a
1: big guy. That's what he's got going for him. Yeah, he's six eight,
0: and, and uh, you know, I don't know that he weighs that much. He's kind of skinny, and in fact, I was going to ask about that. Well, they they did make this huge investment in the offensive line in the form of Orlando Brown, uh, four years, uh, sixty four point uh, one million, the same as Jesse Bates and Von Bell, but. Uh, Who did he play for? He played for Baltimore.
1: Right. And then he played for. Lamar
0: Jackson is not easy to sack. Probably Mm -hmm. the hardest guy to sack at the NFL. And then I would say that uh, Patrick Mahomes is probably top five in elusiveness. Uh, He, too, is hard to sack. Plus, he tends to get rid of the ball rather quickly. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's another thing that makes it tough uh, for him to to uh, be sacked.
1: And, yeah, he's uh, a 6'7 seven, and 7'8, seven, so basically 6'8 and weighs 345 pounds. But you're carrying 345 differently on a 6'8 frame. 340 pounds? Yeah, you're carrying that differently on a 6'8 oh. frame as opposed to a 6'4 frame. Okay, I didn't realize he was that heavy. Yeah, but he... Traditionally, his game is to take a couple steps back and just lean on somebody. Yeah, okay. And then he's so hard to get around, he can get his hands on you somehow.
0: We can say this, that Orlando Brown Jr. is not fat. He is not fat (laughs) at all. If you look at him, (laughs) if there's such a thing as a 344-pound skinny guy, it is Orlando Brown Jr. He's Mm -hmm. just really big, tall. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure that he's really that uh, fantastic of a pass protector. Now he's and not
1: that- a technician. This is kind of what I was getting at. There you he's, go. He's not a technician. He is a big dude that gets his hands on you. That's what he does. And, if, and <laughs> if he can't get his hands on you, he's not real nimble to go catch you or doesn't have a lot of hand techniques to fight off your hand techniques. His goal is to step back and grab you, and and that what the Bengals really want
0: is to protect Joe Burrow. And what so Orlando yeah, if, Brown Jr. If you're Jr. okay with your
1: holding calls, you're 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 golden. You know, line up, hold right. Miles Garrett, and then we'll be fine. <laughs> mm, I don't know, I don't know
0: about that. I think I think that Orlando Brown Jr. is probably one of the best right tackles in the NFL. And he's playing out of position
1: at left tackle, I,
0: I kind of think.
1: I'm not sure. I think, okay, okay, so we can get into this because I agree with you. I'm not sure he's out of position. I just think left tackle is not his strength. His strength, he could be, in my opinion, a Hall of Fame right tackle. There and you go. He could just get line up and just maul people. And when you run block, right, you're firing out and you're grabbing, and you're always going to get those hands on. So he could come out and he could be a tremendous right tackle, which is why Baltimore put him there so they could run the football and make that center point of their game. So he made sense in Baltimore. Okay. Then he says, well, I don't want to be a right tackle. I don't want to be this run mauler guy. I want to be a pass protector. Well, that's not his strength. Yes.
0: I'm yeah, not I don't, saying he's not
1: good at it. I'm just saying it's not what he's best at. I'm not
0: sure. I'm not sure that he, you know, he has the, the quickness and speed. We'll see how he does against Miles Garrett. But you know, Miles Garrett is coming fast and hard, and I think he gets around Orlando Brown Jr. That's what I think.
1: Well, the question is, can you know, he get around? He to block fast. anybody
0: like Miles Garrett, and that if he did, you know, Mahomes can run away from him and uh, unload the pass before he gets there. But mm-hmm. I think that Burrow wants to stay in the pocket and uh, it may be tougher to pass block for burrow compared to Mahomes that's what I think
1: Well I think I think you may be correct. Burrow is athletic although he's had a knee surgery a bad one so I don't know I don't know what what they're going to do but the, I think the gamble is, well, one, we're desperate. We need a good left tackle because our options haven't worked so far. And two, by us, I mean by, I mean the Bengals. And two, the guy, Orlando Brown Jr., is so big and Burrow gets rid of the ball quick that the best chance here is that he can just grab somebody or it takes too long. You know, he'll be coming around the mountain when he comes, you know, to get around the mountain of Orlando Brown Jr. and won't be able to get to Burrow on time. That's, that's the hope. I think the desperation factor is the biggest part of this. Let me tell you
0: some other idiosyncrasy about the Bengals that I don't really understand is that they run the spread formation and they always line up uh, Burrow uh, about seven yards from the center. They're, they have him a little closer to the line of scrimmage than other teams and they don't mm-hmm. put him any further back. And so he really um, he, he's more susceptible, I think, to getting caught than other quarterbacks. It's not like he has a weak arm. Why don't they post him 12 yards back instead of seven?
1: You know, I've never really seen a number on like how far back a quarterback normally stands on a shotgun formation. That's interesting. You're catching me a little bit off guard here. Well, okay. So shotgun formation puts the quarterback seven yards behind the line of scrimmage. So I think he might be in the right spot. It's the spot that the Bengals
0: always use, no matter how badly the line is doing, they don't have an adjustment. They don't put in any further.
1: There are. So the seven yards, from what I'm reading, is just the standard behind the center, okay? If you get past seven yards, let's say it's like 9, 12, or so there's a number. All of a sudden formation rules change because it's considered a punt formation. So I don't know if you can put him back further than seven.
0: Well, um, I don't know. I think I think I believe other teams uh, do snap the ball further back, but uh, they might. I,
1: I don't know if if they do. I could see, I could see um, Jacksonville doing this, okay? Because Trevor Lawrence, that guy. He hates pressure. Somebody pressures him, he's bailing. He's like he's like Baker Mayfield. As soon as pressure shows up, he's bailing to the right. And like so I was telling my son last year in the playoffs, Jacksonville's going nowhere in the playoffs. All you got to do is pressure him and make sure you have some trash collector like T.J. Watt out there to chase him down. That's all you got to do. Pressure him, watch him spill to the right, go tackle him. This is what Alabama did to Johnny Manziel in college football too. Anyway, so Elliot, we're up on it. So all right. Any final
0: comments? Well, yeah, no, yeah, do have some final comments. Is that I think we liked the Steelers uh, on defense, not not overall, but on defense, we think the Steelers have a really pretty good team. We like the Browns; they could easily be number one on defense, although we think that they are not uh, experienced as a team, as a unit, and with a new defensive coordinator. Right. So maybe we like Steelers, number one, maybe Browns, a close number two. The Bengals, we see them with a new secondary, losing great talent. We think, although they were very good last season, we see them slipping to maybe number three. And the Baltimore Ravens, very similar story, where they were actually the best team as far as giving up points in 2022, they really have uh, not replaced players that they've lost. And they've lost a lot this season because they've chosen to go with uh, wide receiver investments. Yeah, and, um, I,
1: and I think that their new offense, they're going to be some more interceptions. That offense is known for throwing interceptions to start with. And then you put Lamar Jackson in there, mm-hmm. who's not used to throwing the ball down the field on the sidelines. It'll. It should be interesting. It's There's interesting. going to be a lot of
0: points scored in Baltimore, but I think it's going to go both ways.
1: Yeah, I think it's going to be a shootout every game down there. Yeah, over there. So it'll be exciting. It'll be <laughs> exciting. <laughs> not necessarily in a good way for for Baltimore fans, but for us, it'll be fun to see. Come on, they can do it. <laughs> get come on, yeah, get the comeback. That's, that's what we see. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Well. All right. Tune in next week. For another episode of Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, Elliot's the genius who handles it all. Elliot. Thank you for listening to Football Philosophy and Rocket Science, a Cleveland Browns podcast. Please like, subscribe, and tell all your friends to give a listen. You can follow Joel on Twitter at The Left Guard and Elliot at The Village Elliot.